0: You're listening to Rosie on the house.
1: Get around the back of the yard here. You're taking a longer walk than normal, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not as quick at, at this topic as Romy is. You oh, know, he's Johnny on the spot when it comes to his, Romy's got the kids up at the Payson Rodeo today for the Queen Creek Junior Rodeo Association. I I think I have a couple grandkids in the running for, like, Cowboy, Cowgirl of the Year. So I'll be up there tomorrow. So we'll be anxious to see how the gang is doing. Nothing like watching a four-year-old granddaughter do run the flags or the poles on a,
0: a little on white a, horse named Nibbles.
1: Nibbles, <laughs> no, Fat Albert. Nibbles fat. and Fat Albert. So, <laughs> so Rosie is taking the outdoor living gardening segment. Thank goodness we've got a special guest in the studio because at Rosie's garden there's two tools: a flamethrower and a chainsaw, baby. And if it doesn't survive, it's gone. We've got John Eisenhower here, certified arborist from Integrity Tree, coming in and talking trees today. John, thanks a million for dropping in on us.
2: Glad to be here and talk trees today.
1: Yeah. You uh, got a particular tree of the month you want to talk about first, right?
2: Yeah, we got lots of stuff to talk about today, but our tree of the month is our blue Palo Verde. Um Actually, it's it's the Palo Verde, you know, uh, all the Palo Verdes that we have here are kind of on display right now. You see all the carpet of... Of yellow flowers, yellow snow. that go, yeah, that, that yellow brick road, um, all over our sidewalks and streets, and it's quite a quite an awesome display. Uh, for those of you who are are kind of uh, disappointed when you see all those flowers because of the cleanup, it's a that's the trade off. You know, you do have a a lot of, uh, especially the hybrids, have that long bloom cycle and the huge flower, and it just seems like it's an endless uh, uh, litter. Now drop the, all over the and, place, and
1: and John, the yellow bloom is that specific to a particular type of Palo Verde or because there's how many different
2: Palo Verdes are there? Well, the two main ones are the foothill Palo Verde. It's a little one that dots all of our rocky hillsides, and then you have the blue Palo Verde, which is a larger the larger palaverdi, But they're all yellow. Okay, yeah, they all all the same uh, uh, yellow yellow bloom. Uh, the little ones grow to about twenty feet in height. The big ones, the uh, blue Palo Verde is to about forty feet. Now and so, what
1: what's the one they call the museum?
2: Well, that's a hybrid blue paloverdi. It's it's a hybrid of the of of our Arizona state tree and it's a very fast growing. It has a very large bloom and really popular uh and they uh there's a a, a desert emerald and then the desert um museum. They're both uh hybrids that uh the nursery sell a lot because they achieve their landscape purpose very quickly. If you like a palo verde and you want a fast-growing tree that's going to achieve its landscape purpose quickly, uh, that one of those hybrids is probably the ticket. You need a little bit of room for. Be careful because within about four or five years, you can have a tree that's twenty-five feet tall, and uh, they uh, can sometimes outgrow their spot. So be sure you give it adequate space to grow and. Be, you know, be aware that it's going to be 25 feet, 30 feet across, and 30 feet tall.
1: Now, we take these trees that are indigenous to a dry desert. We put them in our landscaping, and we just water them and water them on a schedule. They grow. They're, they are super fast, as sure. a, in, in my frame of reference. <laughs> it seems to me they are a tree that comes in fast. They do. and, and As opposed to like a Texas yeah. ebony. just takes forever.
2: Yeah, you're right. They're they're faster growing trees and and as as they're growing quickly too, they are putting on they they drop a lot of litter. If you have a slower growing tree like that Texas ebony, it's considered a clean tree because as it's putting on wood more slowly, it just metabolizes at a slower rate and it drops litter more slowly. So, if you want a fast growing tree, you have to realize the trade-off is you're going to have a a lot of litter production, a lot of bloom, a lot of leaves, a lot of seed pods so yeah just be be ready for that
1: if i ask a desert tree to live in my yard on a regular irrigating water schedule and grow
2: faster am i am i making a weaker tree you can because if it's putting on that wood pretty quickly and a lot of vegetative growth it can over overtax the the actual structural integrity of the tree you have to have you know strong branch attachments that are going to be able to support that increasing end weight. So yeah, if you're fertilizing and watering and uh, kind of pushing a lot of vegetative growth on our trees, sometimes they can outgrow your your uh, your ability to prune them and keep ahead of them. So just be kind of careful that you don't overdo it. In fact, we we tell people if you once you have your desert mesquites, your desert paloverdes, your ironwoods established after four or five years, once they've gotten up, you can start to back off on the watering a little bit, especially if you have surrounding. Uh, shrubs and other, other understory plants that are being watered regularly, uh, sometimes you can start to back off on the dedicated emitters to your desert trees uh, and, and just experiment in your own yard. You know, you need a nice deep saturation from time to time. We do need supplemental watering beyond just our seasonal rain. But uh, you'll be surprised at wh- what you can do with some of these trees in terms of backing off on the watering and, and just seeing how well they do on their own. Uh, I, it, it, uh, you can kind of slow down that process. We see a lot of overwatered yards. People are spending four or five, six hundred dollars for a water bill uh, every month in some of these properties, and it's unnecessary because the trees are, are could do fine with half that water. Uh, so we tell people, you know, just start, you know, decreasing the frequency of your cycles. If you're watering every three days, start watering every five days, every six days, same amount of water. But just, you know, try to extend the, the, the time between your, your irrigation cycles, and you'll be surprised. And it will, and I said all that to say this, that in answering your issue, yes, you will actually slow down that growth and let the tree put on wood a little more slowly uh, and, and, and grow a little, a little stronger that way, um, giving time for those branch attachments to get stronger, the, the base of the branches to develop taper caliper to support the increasing end weight. So, yeah, that's uh, that can be done by just kind of moderating the water, and not just pushing a lot of vegetative growth.
1: While listening to us this morning, if you have a question about any tree in Arizona, give us a ring. It's John Eisenhower, certified tree arborist with Integrity Tree Service. The number's toll free 1-888-767-4348. That's one eight Rosie for you talking this morning about the. Tree of the month, the blue Palo Verde. And uh, I, my, my favorite tree in my whole yard is one you've had to bolt back together. I, th- I think it was one of those trees that just grew too fast. But that yeah. but that mesquite on the corner of the lot is just a monster tree. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, one, it's a desert mesquite. In fact, I think in your neighborhood there, that used to be a, an original mesquite bosque. Yes. Those were original trees in that area, in that low-lying area and where you can find a bunch of mesquites that that were growing there in the desert in some of those uh those little ravines it's so cool to see those um over the years and that they've matured and found their way into those spots and yeah that was that's a beautiful tree i i uh i know you also planted a, a blue paloverde there in the center of your driveway too a yeah. few years back and that's been yeah. really nice again another big multi-stemmed uh, uh, some of these uh uh hybrids are 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 cultivated in the nurseries and uh, they're called low breakers. Whereas they have a number of uh, stems that that emerge from the main stem at about three or four feet off the ground, and then provide a nice candelabra of of of, a, of a branch structure at a very low height in the tree. So they're very beautiful in the landscape. As you look out across the landscape, you see these this beautiful architecture at you know uh, f- uh, from two to eight feet in height. So you get this beautiful structure, and you've, you've got a really nice tree there. in the. That's,
1: that's the post office tree.
2: <laughs> it's the, the one that the, the mailman the, hits. The,
1: Well, the mailman <laughs> kept getting mad at us because as we have guests to the house, all of our trees were right there at the front near ah. the mailbox. And he threatened. He says, you know, you, I, I, I can't even get to your mailbox. He said, plant a tree over there. <laughs> so <laughs> I, planted, I planted his tree over there. And people do use it for exactly that. But, but in the summer, you're always trying to find that one little shade tree, right?
2: Yeah, and these Palo Verdes are, speaking of shade, they're, they provide shade for other things besides cars. They actually are a beautiful nurse plant. They're known for actually providing the shade necessary for the little baby saguaros to grow. Our, our saguaro cactus can't just grow out in the open desert on their own. They need a sheltered environment when they're quite young, and Palo Verdes often provide that. They're dropping leaf litter, which provides very moist and n- nutrient-rich soil for the sorrows to grow up. They provide shade to protect protect that small uh, sorrow seedling as it grows up and gets a little bit larger. And then as the uh, Palo Verde tree over the years starts to decline and die over 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, the dead branches fall down and provide, a, again, a more nutrient source. And quite often when that tree... Uh, finally dies it declines and dies it provides a a beautiful mulch and a and a and an environment for the then the suwero survives that and grows maybe 100 200 300 years beyond the 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 Palo Verde. but for every suwero you wow. see out in the desert every one in no matter where it's located it had a nurse plant generally that that provided a little shelter and a shade spot for it uh sometime in in its in its life in palaverdis our Arizona state tree is is normally that that nurse plant which helps that those sorrows get going so really kind of a cool little bit of history behind our our Arizona state tree uh, I love them they're they're just such a cool tree we have i, Proper, I get, properly trimmed
1: their artwork oh
2: they're they're, they're 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 sculptures well what's really kind of cool is they have that beautiful uh yellow bloom of course but it's the leaves and it's not these dramatic leaves; it's the color of the bark itself. In fact, Palo Verde means green stick, and it's a, it's a uh, that the, the bark itself is has chlorophyll in it, and so it's actually able to photosynthesize. In fact, they say 80% of the of a palaverti's photosynthetic capacity is in its bark, not in the leaves. So the actually a Palo Verde in the in under drought stress can drop all of its leaves in order to conserve water, because through photosynthesis, when the leaves are exposed, they're giving off water vapor. So when there's not enough water, uh, all all our desert trees, mesquites and palo Verdes, quite often will drop their leaves as a defense mechanism because it's saying, I got to hold on to my water and I got to drop my leaves in order to do that, because if the leaves are exposed, I lose water. Anyway, uh, as they drop their leaves, they can continue to photosynthesize through the bark, which is really a, a, an awesome adaptation that over the millennia, these these um it's unique to Palo Verdes. So we our our Arizona State tree has that ability to photosynthesize even without leaves on. Wow. Which is really cool.
1: This month it's the blue paloverde, which is the blue green stick. <laughs> it's the green stick. <laughs> <laughs> the the blue paloverde the Blue Palavry is the Blue Green Stick. The Blue Green there Stick. There you go. Okay. And we'll talk about the Blue Green Stick. We'll talk about your tree as well. We've got uh, Matt wants to talk about a peach tree. You can get online and talk to Mr. Eisenhower at one 767 4348 right here at Rosie on the House. I'll buy you tall,
2: tall trees in all the waters and the seas. I'm a fool, fool, fool for you.
1: Welcome back to Rosie on the House in the Outdoor Living Hour. We're here with Certified Arborist, Mr. John Eisenhower of Integrity Tree Service. We're here to take your calls about any question you might have about trees. Let's bring Matt into the conversation. Good morning, Mr. Matt. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Hey, very, very good. What's your, what's your tree of the day here we've got?
3: So, I have a peach tree um, and it uh, started to about half of it started to leaf out earlier this year and then the the small leaves just kind of shrivelled up and died and right now it it's completely bare, and there's nothing growing and I'm wondering if it is time to replace it with something else or if there's some way that I can uh, you know maybe get a, a tree defibrillator on it to give it some more life. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I wish we had a little defibrillator <laughs> uh, for trees. Gosh, that would be really nice. Uh, yeah, it does sound like there might be some sort of d- disease pathogen that's active. You know, we um, some of our fruit trees can be um, be attacked by some bacterial or uh, uh, infections from the outside, like a fire blight, something like that, which can cause that leaf curling. It also can be a fungal pathogen that's soil-borne, which is carried up through the vascular system of the tree and, um, you know, due to um, overwatering, sometimes uh, we see a lot of um, fungal pathogens that that can cause a lot of uh, damage, and we just see the symptoms above ground. But they, if we trace them back, we find that they often originate below ground. But I, I, you know, um, if you if you're not if you don't have any foliage on the tree at this point, and the, the leaves were there but now they're gone, yeah, it, it, chances are the tree may be beyond um, recovery. You know, again. I, I, getting a certified arborist out to take a look at it might be helpful before you make that final decision to take the tree out. But yeah, and it might be also good just to to have a a clean bill of health to find out what caused it, because if there is a a fungal pathogen in the soil that that led to that, like a cotton root rot or something else, uh, that would affect uh, a new tree that you'd plant back in that spot. So probably good to to get an arborist in who could uh, get a, collect a soil sample and bring it into a laboratory for analysis and and uh, let you know uh, uh, a plan going forward what other trees Sounds do you have good. on
1: Thanks the so what what other trees do you have on the lot matt
3: oh goodness I've got um a uh, clementine blood orange orange uh two um uh apple trees an apricot tree wow. uh grapefruit lemon oh you've got an
1: orchard yeah. all the other trees are doing well
3: i Everything else is beautiful. And, and, it you know, this this spot where I have the peach tree, there was a um, small Palo Verde tree um, that we took out. I put in a, a peach tree, and it didn't survive because it wasn't getting enough water. It's kind of um, back in a, a, lands, uh, a rock landscape area that I didn't have irrigation going to. And so we replaced that with another peach tree, and this one did okay last summer. Um, started to turn brown towards the end of the summer, which— you know, most trees do, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and then it just never really came back um, this spring.
2: Yeah, it, uh, it sounds pretty suspect, you know, if that area's, you know, not had, had some good success with other trees, you might want to think about uh, getting it looked at before you put another one back in.
1: Nice having an orchard like that, for sure. You've got your options of all the different trees to pick from. Yeah, uh, uh, Peaches, uh, uh, do you like peaches?
2: I love them. You do? See I, I got a big tree big peach tree. Do you? Yeah.
1: see peaches were only made for one thing. Birds. Uh <laughs> homemade ice cream. Oh yeah. I, I cobbler, lo- peach I,
2: cobbler.
1: I'm not a peach now. no no
0: Just because well, he doesn't like them doesn't mean I don't. Would you call next <laughs> yeah. time you have a harvest?
2: Well, you know, um it's something to, to note, all those of you who do have those stone fruits, like apricot and peach and some others, they're a pretty short-lived tree. Are they? You in know, in the Like desert. what short-lived? What? I mean, sometimes, you know, people can get 10 or 12 years, sometimes 15 or okay. 20. But, you know, as they get older, they, they, they do develop several uh, issues and uh, health issues which can start to take them down. And once they start to decline, pretty, it's pretty hard to pull them out of that mortality spiral uh, there's a, a lot of different stress factors that start to affect older trees, and fruit trees just j- generally don't have a, a as long a life as some of our our amenity shade trees that could li- stay in a landscape for 50 to 70, 80, 80, years.
1: Very good. Well, we're here with John Eisenhower. We've got we still haven't even touched the long list of tips you want to go over. So we're going to have to go over that. We're going to go over other callers as they come in. We have an open line if you'd like to jump in and talk to John. It's one triple eight. Seven six seven forty three forty eight, and put you right in touch with John, and see what you're trying to tackle in about and around your house and home. We've got another call, Jim. Jim, I'm gonna ask you to be patient. We don't have time to take you before we got our bright break for bottom of the hour updates. But uh, you'll be the very first caller we get back to when we come back to our uh, uh segment number three of the show. But we've got the tips we want to get to. With the difference between pruning and
2: trimming—that's mm-hmm. important. It is. We're
1: in a gonna- Defined terms today. All right. Very good. Folks, we'll be back. Stay tuned. going to have a heck of a. We, we are in the unstumpable hour of Rosie on the House right here in the outdoor living segment. Thanks for joining us. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> trees this morning with john eisenhower john i'm gonna ask you to take a couple calls here people been holding very carefully and patiently but i want to get to your may uh calendar tips okay
2: sounds like a plan
1: let's bring jim into the conversation somebody punch up jim good morning jim they don't let me push any buttons in here good morning
0: good Good morning uh john i my daughter is, has a building lot up in Las in Mesa, and she's planning to build uh, this year. Uh, and we noticed on the property there's about three, maybe four, bushy trees, and at this time of year they're blooming pink and white flowers, and they look quite good. Um, I tried to look them up, and as closest I can come is a Mexican locust. Are they natural to this area?
2: Well, I'm not sure what you're looking at. No, the, the um, Mexican locust, no, probably not local to the, the Phoenix area. But a pink and white bloom could be an ironwood. Is it a desert tree with thorns?
0: Yeah. Uh, not, no thorns. It's fairly smooth. I wish I had taken a picture. I could have sent it in. Fairly smooth, bark, grayish.
2: hmm
0: And they're all, they're all in bloom, and it seems that Blamford, who's the main builder up there, uses them all over. Um, I guess he pulls them out as he builds. And uh, they're all along roadways and everything up through uh, Los Angeles.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, could could be a, um, a desert willow. You know, could be a, an orchid tree. Um, could be a crepe myrtle. Um, yeah, there's several flowering trees that are blooming this time of year. If, you, if um, what what height is the tree? How tall?
0: About seven foot, eight foot, but it's multiplied multiple branches. You know, it's mm-hmm. been grown wild. And one of my questions was if it could have been identified uh, was. Can I severely trim them, and can they be moved? That type
2: of tree. Yeah, depending on how how large it is, you know, sometimes you can you can move those if you can get the entire or a good portion of the root ball um, uh, up in, a, and intact to be able to transplant. Uh, again, sometimes if if they're smaller like that, it's not worth the expense. It Could be several hundred dollars to move them when you could simply go buy the buy a, a new tree and and plant it out you'd have to make that decision but yeah if you're a lot of we we have a lot of our um, customers who move to new areas and or to new a new home and and want to uh, uh save some of the trees on the property or move them to a better location so they uh where the footprint of the the building is going to uh, be right over where those trees are located and i i i, I uh or respect those that <laughs> desire to do that? It's nice to be able to save a mature yeah, tree if you you've possibly got your, can. You got your emotional attachment. Also, right? <laughs> something to think about when you do have a, a tree on an on a, on a lot like that before you're, um, you're you're you've done any building. You can bring in a spade truck, a 90 inch spade truck, which can come in and actually pick up that entire tree in one big a 90 inch root ball and and move a relatively large tree. Uh, that can't be done in in a, in a in an enclosed uh, area or a built environment. But if you have a, an empty lot and the truck can back right up to the tree, this would be a perfect time to grab one of those and put it to the perimeter of the yard or to a better location. Uh, Arizona Big Tree Movers is, is one company that we've worked with a lot over the years. And Bonnie with Arizona Big Tree Movers could help you with that.
1: Very good. Well, Jim, we appreciate the call. Isn't there an app you can download where you take a picture of the plant and it tells you what the plant is
2: yeah there's a couple of apps out there on tree tree identification plant id if you just put that into your app store and uh and you might be able to find a, a nice app that they're 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 sometimes uh, not really dialed in the technology's not all there but some of them are pretty good you can um uh, yeah, f- find find out exactly what that tree is by taking a picture of the leaves or the branch structure.
1: Very good. Let's get to Ben real quick and then we'll go to May Tips. Good morning, Ben. Thanks for calling in. How can we help you, my friend? Uh, good morning. Good morning.
4: Um, I have a question. I have a, a pretty good-sized lot with four very large pine trees. I'm guessing they're 40 years plus. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of hilly a little uh, a few small hills so i've been grading it and i see found that the previous owner uh they had laid down a lot of pea gravel but they they, they beneath it they have a, a lot of bisqueen uh, rolled plastic mm-hmm. and uh, as i've been tilling it i'm pulling up all this plastic i'm finding a lot of a lot of the roots close to the top right below uh right um, basically right beneath the, the bisqueen so right. I'm worried about damaging them and hurting the trees. They don't seem to be the healthiest, but they don't seem to be in a very, very poor condition. I want to make them healthier. Am I going to hurt them more by grading the these smaller size uh, um, roots or, you know, under, underneath uh, the trees here? Or is there something I could do to keep them healthy, to make them healthier?
2: Well, even driving the machinery over the root zone is causing a, a, some uh, some compaction to the root zone and pushing some of the soil, the oxygen out of the soil. So be real careful. Uh, to Try to minimize the trafficking, vehicular traffic, um, or machinery traffic over the over the root zone of the trees. But I know that does happen quite often. The the because the the visqueen uh, actually condensation will form underneath that plastic, and then the roots. Will follow and chase that condensation and, and grow underneath there, and that's those are pretty. In, that's an insignificant percentage of the overall root mass of the trees. I know it looks uh, pretty impressive when you pull that viscreen up and you see these large mats of roots, uh, but I wouldn't be too worried about that. I'd be more concerned about uh, the damage caused to the roots by driving. Uh, uh, over them a lot. What I would do is I would, I would carefully pull up that visqueen, but don't go much deeper into the soil from the, from there. Pull all the pea gravel up, get rid of the visqueen, but try to leave that soil intact. Don't don't excavate any deeper, or you will start hitting significant roots below there. And then as soon as you can, you might want to consider putting some wood chips down um, over that area if you're planning to do some additional construction or whatever. Uh, it might be nice to put down some wood chips to help to... Uh, uh, take the place of that pea gravel in terms of insulating the soil from uh, from the sun, and and of course, if you're like I said, if you're planning to do some more trafficking over that area, the the wood chips can help to um, uh, mitigate some of that damage to the roots.
1: Very good, Ben. We appreciate the call, John. Let's get to your May tree calendar. You got a lot to well, cover. Just, here.
2: Yeah, a couple of items. Um, remember to be pruning your date palms, your 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 uh, Phoenix date palms this time of year. Uh, they, uh, shouldn't, if you wait too long into the summer, the dates get so big, it becomes, a a, a lot more higher maintenance costs to you as a, uh, as a palm tree owner. So May 15th is kind of our target time to get your date palms trimmed. Um, also, um, this is, of course, is our, our heaviest pruning month for, uh, f- for getting our trees prepared for the monsoon in, in, in July and August. So, uh, May and June, really a key time to be doing a little bit of end weight reduction on some of your larger trees that you're trying to uh, make safer for um, heading into the, uh, um, the, the, the storm season later this summer. A uh, good time to be calling to schedule that work. Also, um, if you plan to do any pruning uh, of your own smaller trees to kind of storm-proof them and get them ready for the winds, um, be really careful not to over-thin thinning cuts are the the removal of smaller interior branches uh, and people you know think it's in order to let more sun or let more wind blow through the trees but remember it's the uh, the outer uh, ends of those branches that are carrying most of the weight and are more susceptible to the to wind damage so what we recommend is a little bit of thinning cuts but also some occasional reduction cuts on the outside of the branches to kind of take some of that 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 sail out of the and some of that end weight out of those branches, it's a skill that's not easy. You know that, that I don't recommend just lopping off the end of a branch at an arbitrary location. There's some skill in, in knowing how to make a proper what we call a crown reduction cut, and that's to remove the the end of a branch back to a lateral branch or to a point of attachment somewhere of closer to the center of the tree. And uh, Dr. Ed Gilman has done a lot of research on which are the best kind of pruning cuts to make to make your trees safest for enduring high winds. He's out of the University of Florida where they've done a lot of hurricane research, and he's actually um, determined that the best uh, pruning cut for your buck is to make a crown reduction cut. That's to take the end off the branch back to a, a significant lateral branch inside rather than gutting the inside of the tree and lion tailing it, leaving all the heavy foliage out on the ends. Um, that's the worst thing you can do for your trees. So, if you want to learn a little bit more about that, I've got a class I'm teaching today at the Desert Botanical Garden at 2 to 2 o'clock. There's still a few seats left. If you want to go uh, learn how to prune your own trees, this would be a great time to do that. It's the last class I'm teaching this summer. until, um, And uh, like I said, Desert Botanical Garden from 2 to 5 o'clock today. It's a hands-on clinic, so I, I do some uh, some teaching in the in the early part of the class. Second hour, we're, we're devoted to demonstrating how to make uh, those thinning cuts and reduction cuts. And then finally, I, in the last hour, we give all the students an opportunity to actually learn how to make some of those cuts themselves. So a, real, a lot of fun. If you um, are inclined to go, uh, go to the Desert Botanical Garden website, which is dbg.org, dbg.org, and that will um, get you to their... Uh, uh, training page. We also posted it on our, on our uh, Facebook page today. Integrity Tree Service Facebook page has the link and uh, that'd be great to see you out there if any of our listeners uh, are inclined to uh, get get a pruning class in under their belt before this summer. Uh, other uh, pruning tips for for this the end of end of May, we've just got um, it's a, a great time to be protecting your trees from sun. We have a lot of um, issues. Uh, uh, Gary here in studio today uh, sent me a picture earlier this week of one of his trees that got blasted by sun. And unfortunately, um, bark is not like human skin where we actually replace the skin cells. When there's damage to the tree bark, it's permanent injury to the tree. And just below the bark of all of our trees are the uh, the cells that conduct the water and nutrients uh, to the to the top of the tree and also deliver the sugars and starches back down to the root system from the top of the tree, so that cambium just below the bark is critical to a tree's survival. Well, if you get significant areas of that uh, cambium that 's damaged uh, it 's permanent damage, and the trees do their best to kind of uh, reroute those nutrients and water around those damaged areas, but it can be pretty pretty hard on the trees. Um, so it's a good time to consider wrapping those, especially if you have some new trees that are recently installed as these hundred degree temperature days are, 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 with us. We need to be sure that we get those, uh, uh, you can wrap those, uh, uh, those, uh, trunks of those trees with a little bit of, um, burlap wrap or some other soft material to kind of keep the sun off those, uh, sensitive areas. Very Do you good. like the paints? Yeah, so paint doesn't really help as much as just physically covering them. Okay. Paint can reduce the soil the surface temperature by a degree or two, but it won't pre- prevent sunburn if 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 we get too much uh, too much heat.
1: John in about 30 seconds. We've got Steve that wants to know, what can he do about the neighbor's mesquite tree sending roots into his yard? What's tree law in Arizona? Real quick.
2: Well, that's a, a, a longer answer uh, for that question. But, yeah, there's there are some rules and regs on how to deal with that. You just have to be sure you don't kill the person's tree. You can do some cutting of the roots or the branches that are hanging over your property line, but you can't damage their tree. That's the rule.
1: And it takes a real arborist to take a look at the roots and say, can I cut this, put in a tree, of a root barrier, and not impact the tree? Sure.
2: Yep. Yeah, you can install a root parry, but yeah, you have to just be careful that you don't damage their tree. You've got rights, but within certain limits. All right. We'll be right back.
1: Sure. John Eisenhower here from Integrity Tree Service, certified arborist. We'll be out at Desert Botanical Gardens for Tree Is that a tree trimming class or a
2: tree yep. pruning class? It's pr- pruning trees and shrubs. And what's the difference? What, between a tree and a shrub? Pruning and trimming. Oh, trimming. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. That was a nice lead-in. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, actually, there is a big distinction between trimming and pruning trees. You know, we have uh, people are um, always asking us, you know, to help with their trees. They have a sense that their trees need need some help, but they're not really sure how to describe it. And you know, the articles in magazines and, and in, in tree ads in particular, if you go in the yellow pages, you know, the, the, the people are talking about um, we trim trees, we prune trees, we cut trees, we top trees, we round trees. Uh, we do crowning, heading, shearing, lacing, sculpting, uh, wind sailing. And the list goes on. There's an unlimited number of ways of describing what to do. And the homeowner doesn't know what's going on. You know, our, our, our customers have no clue. All they know is okay. Um, something's going to be done in my trees. Well, to clear all of uh, up, up all that confusion, the the ANSI standards uh, came up with some pruning definitions, some you know some kind of a baseline description. And the uh, the ANSI A three hundred is a a guideline to help write specifications so that the the contractor and the consumer can get on the same page. Just like a, a blueprint for an architect and uh, helps sure. the homeowner to know precisely what's going to be done and what's not going to be done, the the ANSI A three hundred pruning standards help to um, to clarify what's uh, what's going to be done. Helps to, to clarify what the expectations are. It's wonderful because the ANSI A300 goes through a revision every five years. And good tree services use the ANSI standards to write their specifications, to write their work orders, to, to provide a proposal so that uh, homeowners can know precisely what's going to be done, what type of wood's going to be removed, what are the, the minimum and maximum branch diameters. But even before that, uh, the ANSI standards uh, suggest, and we, we highly recommend, that you determine what your objectives are first. You know what are you, what's your your overall your overarching reasons for for pruning? It might just be for a building clearance. It might be to reduce the size. It might be to elevate the the lower branches. It might be a street clearance. You know, so once you've determined, and it might be multiple objectives, but once you've determined your objectives, then you select a pruning system, so to speak, that will help you to do, to uh, to offer to the customer a specific set of. Of of act, activities that will be conducted, and that th- then that again involves the minimum and maximum branch diameters that can are going to be cut. Will it be live wood? Will, will it be dead wood? Will it be just simply structural improvement to eliminate structural deficiencies in the in the plant? But it's really wonderful because those ANSI standards have really simplified the process of contracting for tree work. Um, I would just suggest that uh, that homeowners or any tree owners. Uh, when you're contracting your work, simply ask your, uh, your, your contractor uh, to define what you plan to have done in terms of the ANSI A300 pruning standard. And if they can uh, talk intelligently about it, you'll, you'll, you're in good hands. There's a lot of great arborists around town, uh, but don't settle for someone who just says, hey, I'm just going to uh, do a little bit of wind sailing on your tree or I'm going to do a little bit of sculpting on your tree. Um, these are are just pruning types but they don't really tell you what um, what what they're going to do and um, to avoid those disappointments at the end of a uh, a pruning operation where you uh, come home and, and find out that your trees have been completely destroyed uh, uh, this would be a good place to start with that a, a300 pruning standard if I, wanted,
0: if I wanted to look that up on the internet how how, you spell, how do you spell that? Can can just anybody find that there?
2: You could. Well, the ANSI is stands for the American National Standards Institute, and ANSI uh, produces standards for industries all across the world, and the tree industry is among them. And the the A three hundred is the ANSI standard that pertains to tree maintenance, and it, we have ANSI standards for tree fertilization as well as for pruning and for cabling and bracing, and for other aspects of of, of tree maintenance. And the A three hundred is a uh, yeah, if you just look that up, you'll find that. And, uh, again, if you ha- have a contractor that's going to do some work on your trees, ask them about the A300 if they if they don't know about it and don't understand it. Uh, it doesn't mean that they couldn't do some decent work on your trees, but it, it would indicate that they don't have a level of understanding that most certified arborists and certified tree workers do. It's really basic to uh, a basic level of understanding in arboriculture.
1: May, the May tree of the month. Blue-green stick. <laughs>
2: Blue-green stick,
1: yes. The blue Palo Verde. The good time to prune trees. Get them ready for the storm season and the monsoon coming.
2: Yeah, it's a, it, this is ideal time, these next couple of months. You know, you don't want to do t- really heavy pruning on sun-sensitive trees, but on those that are really, really heavy, that, ones that are, uh, you might be concerned whether they're going to be able to survive the monsoon winds, this is your prime time to schedule that work. Trim date palms.
1: Yep, this is the time. Get and them
2: done before they get too heavy. Fertilize
1: your citrus. Yeah, give us a call. But May's a busy month.
2: <laughs> it is a busy month, yeah.
1: <laughs> John Eisenhower, Rosie Certified. I, I don't certify arborist. Somebody else does that. But I certify good people, and John's good people. Integrity Tree Service, you've got something you want to get done at your house concerning your trees. Get John out on the property and let him put the old educated evil eye on it and see what he can do for the health of your family of trees. We'll be back in the 9 o'clock hour. open hour. Go ahead and start lining up. Get online now, one 767 4348